0: You're listening to Cloud9, where Bahaiteachings.org interviews artists from around the globe to learn about what inspires, uplifts, and motivates them to make a positive contribution to the world. My name is Shadi Taloui-Wallace. Juliet Crossley is a Nashville-based portrait artist driven by an intense desire to change the imagery of Black people. Inspired by the principles and teachings of the Baha'i faith, Juliet's portraits are rooted in her hope for justice, unity, and the elimination of prejudice. Through the application of marker on paper, Juliet features the outer beauty of her subjects through the integration of diverse tones, bold passions, and empowering dispositions. Taking it one step further, Juliet also captions each portrait with a divine virtue, such as hopeful, reliable, or loving. In one piece, the virtue Clement is captioned under an image of a young woman playing with her braids. Another portrait of a man holding a child is captioned attentive. By using these virtues as titles for her work, Juliet is identifying her subjects as spiritual beings endowed with divine virtue, fulfilling their noble destiny. In this episode of Cloud Nine, we'll be discussing Juliet's creative journey and how race, motherhood, faith, and a profound sense of justice inspire her art. Juliet, thank you so much for joining us on Cloud Nine. Thank
1: you so much for having me, Shadi. I'm so excited to be here with you today.
0: Thank you, we're so excited to have you. Now, I'd like to start this interview with the following words of Baha'u'llah. He says that arts, crafts, and sciences uplift the world of being and are conducive to its exaltation. Knowledge is as wings to man's life and a ladder for his ascent. Its acquisition is incumbent upon everyone. Reflecting on your own childhood, how did your parents encourage you to develop your own creative powers of expression?
1: Well, my parents are creative people by nature. Um, They're both originally from Texas, but met in their early 20s in Los Angeles around the time when they had found the Baha'i faith and became Baha'is. My mother had worked as an extra on movie sets and had modeled for photos. Um... She also worked in communications and also at the hospital. Um, But when she had us, uh, she dedicated our childhood to being a stay-at-home mom and also served the Baha'i community locally and nationally. So it was her love of art that really became my first influence, introduction to it. Um, My father was a child musical prodigy and with the uh, support and encouragement of his father, he left home at the age of 13 to begin touring with some of the biggest bands uh, in the 50s. Um, he was writing songs for other artists and solo artists at the time. And then in the like late mid to mid 60s became half of the uh, 70s music duo Seals and Crofts. So about 10 years after my parents married in, in Los Angeles, they decided to go pioneering to Costa Rica. Uh, we moved there. It was May 1980. And so I was two. And my older brothers were four and seven. Could um, you
0: describe what pioneering is for those of our listeners who may not know?
1: Absolutely. So pioneering is a um, kind of a call to action for people who want to travel to other areas outside of their local communities to offer service, but also specifically for com- community building and empowering the, the local neighborhoods. So it's a little bit different than missionary work, um, but it's the, the, the concept is to be of service uh, and in the communities in which the people, the individuals traveled. Right. To. Right. Um, so my parents, we were living in Los Angeles, but they, they felt a calling, mm. uh, toward the Latin American region and, and traveled to various countries. And when they came to Costa Rica, my father always says he felt like it was home immediately. Mm. Um, so growing up, my parents had always been big art lovers. And our home in Costa Rica just really reflected that. Um, We had very avant-garde oil paintings and pastel portraits, um, indigenous wall hangings, uh, experimental art pieces and African masks and African sculptures and and really just several paintings by local Baha'i artists as well. My my dad actually began painting when we were kids too. Um, So that was definitely influential for me. And then my mother uh, expressed her talent and affinity for design through her touches that were found throughout our home. She had such a, a love of flowers and plants and art, and so she arranged these exotic flowers and placed them all throughout the house. And then she had beautiful potted plants in the corners of each room. Mm. Um, And then I remember her as a kid, regularly, she was always reupholstering our furniture in these beautiful, unique custom patterns and then constantly redesigning the interior of our home. So in addition to that, like vibrant visual environment, um, there was also just so much music around too. So we had a, a recording studio that was off the main house. And there were guitars, and mandolins, and classical flutes, and pan flutes, lap harps. Um, and then there was this, also this beautiful baby grand piano in there where my father would write and record. So when I was a kid from the time of like age six, I would spend many hours in the studio alone and plucking away at the piano. And, and that's where I taught myself how to play by ear and began writing some of my first songs. Um, so to answer your question, I guess you could say that the that my parents encouraged me to find and develop my powers of expression just like through the example that they were setting for my brothers and i and the environment that they created for us um we were we were surrounded by all our, all the time and in all its forms and we were always part of family consultations and we knew that we had a voice that was valued so about Probably, I mean, very early on, um, I would say maybe three or four, I began drawing and I would spend a lot of time alone as a kid. Uh, my older brothers were much closer in age to each other. So they were often off mapping the, <laughs> the jungle woods of our ca- coffee plantation in Costa Rica. And uh, and I was quiet and loved to draw. So I'd spend hours alone sketching and illustrating. Um, I would draw portraits and landscapes and I even experimented with some abstract art before I even knew and appreciated what that was. But I was really lucky that my mother was such a big supporter of my art and she, she really keyed in on my talents early on and was always the gatherer of resources for me uh, to experiment. So she was formative in my journey and development as an artist. Um, if I got an idea, to create something, she would locate that material, whether it was like clay or wood for carving. She always.
0: She really fostered that. Yeah. Development she within always you. found yeah. a way
1: to get it right.
0: It sounds like you had a really idyllic childhood in Costa Rica. How did that? It was amazing. <laughs> influence uh, or influence or shape your own perception of race and identity.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah. So my mom is is black, and my dad is white. Um, and then being raised a Baha'i in Costa Rica was just the greatest gift that my parents gave my brothers and I, my, my whole life from age two when we moved there until I was 19 when I moved to the U S to attend university from that period, I always had felt a sense of belonging. Um, like by nature, the Costa ring of people are very warm and friendly and joyful and family and faith is really important to them. And so they're, they're content with whatever they have. And I feel like that perspective really influenced me growing up. And also there was a really nice sized group of pioneer families from various countries living there at the time we grew up there. And so that be, being friends with those kids really um, was uh, instrumental for me, you know, to be exposed to, to various differences. And then I attended a small international school with classmates from all over the world. So in a sense, like every experience I had as a kid had some kind of element of diversity to it that was Mm. celebrated. So I I didn't experience any racism growing up. I know it sounds, maybe it sounds so... Uh, crazy, but it was true. I I just didn't have that experience.
0: So you've already mentioned that at the age of 19, you left Costa Rica to attend university in the United States. What was that transition from Costa Rica to the United States like for you? And Did you face any challenges or surprises while settling into the U.S.?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Well, so I transitioned from this magical land of Costa Rica. (laughs) This beautiful
0: jungle, like coffee plantation with all this unity. um,
1: To the United States. And, you know, after graduating high school and offering a year of service, uh, I came to the U.S. and I was it was really jolting. You know, um, I attended the, the school, the Art Institute in Chicago, and I majored in visual communication design there, um, and I just was—I was just hit really hard with the rea- reality of what it meant to live in my skin in this country, hmm. and not having been raised here, I really found myself at this huge deficit when it came to being able to cope. You know, with these challenges of being marginalized, I had never experienced that. Yeah, so it was—it was difficult. It was.
0: Do you feel comfortable sharing any of those experiences?
1: You know. Well you know it's interesting because looking back and even to like still you know living here now after 20 years, I find that that the systematic racism that exists is so is often very easy to identify but it's the subtle the subtle hints of um, dismissal or oppression these things that we experience daily that are much harder to kind of uh, communicate mm-hmm. or even explain. But but it's it was a lot of that <laughs> that I was realizing uh, I had never experienced before, just subtleties of things. And so um, mm-hmm. there's something really amazing about the Black community in the United States. I mean, Black people just have had to develop such specific qualities and attributes to cope with the challenges that they face daily and generationally. And so there's so much to be learned from that perspective and so much for to, to be offered really. Um, and so I, uh, Mm -hmm. I've, I've Mm -hmm. I've been learning, (laughs) learning Mm -hmm. from my brothers and sisters. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We have so much Uh, to learn from the constructive resilience of the black community in the States and North America and around the world. Now you moved to Chicago, as you mentioned, to study at the Art Institute of Chicago and your time here was extremely formative, but it didn't come without its challenges. Could you describe your experiences during this time at the Art Institute and how you you were empowered to find your voice?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the, my education at the School of the Art Institute was really, um, was really powerful for me, um, as an artist and it was completely rooted in conceptual foundations. So up until this point, I had been sort of creating art that was inspired, but, but I was learning that from my time at the the School of the Art Institute, that every task was being approached through the lens of, of what does this mean? And and every aspect of the art we were creating, we were being challenged to mm-hmm. see things through that lens. So I had to really take great effort to be mindful in my approaches and, and meaning mm-hmm. and really identify the intention of every artistic choice I was making. Right, um, And then as a Baha'i, learning how to balance this while allowing, while still allowing the inspiration to come, that's been my process, really, my journey as an artist. Because, um, you know, I, I'm learning that 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 art through art you can reveal truth, and if you are intentional with with what you create, you can really um, be inspiring and inspired. So that's been that was kind of my my um, my journey. Um, You know, Abdul Baha, the eldest son of Baha'u'llah, who's, as you mentioned, the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith, says that for the intention, the power, and the action, all the three essential elements are brought together, and the realization of everything in the contingent world dependeth upon these three principles. So I feel like I was learning that art can can actually be used to communicate something greater and has the power to achieve this. Um, At that time, my work was not focused on the African-American experience, but I was Really figuring out as a Baha'i what sort of art I should be making and learning how to incorporate the teachings of Baha'u'llah into that work and the explorations of themes.
0: So interesting. So far in our conversation, we've covered your childhood in Costa Rica, your early exposure to arts through your parents, your transition to the States and how you found your voice as you just described. As an artist, I'd like to now take this opportunity to focus on your current work and how this came about. I know that as a freelance artist and designer, you're really motivated to work on projects that speak to you on a spiritual level. And these portraits portraying images of people of color in particular are a reflection of that. Could you begin by providing some background and describing the conditions surrounding these portraits and what propelled you to create them?
1: Sure, yeah. this. This project came about, it was really the response, I feel the response and urging of my soul. Um, there had it, it came about at a time when there had been several shootings and killings of innocent black boys and men and women. I think of Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and Freddie Gray and Eric Garner, um, Al- Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, I mean, the, and on and on. Mm-hmm. So my heart was completely broken, really. And I was overwhelmed with all of this pain, uh, pain for their families, pain for our country. Um, And then I looked at my daughters and thought, my gosh, I, I have to arm them with the truth. They need to understand what true Blackness is. So I was inspired by them. And I started really just creating art that was informed by what I was feeling. And I felt like I really needed to promote a positive imagery of Black people for them, to see, and I wanted them to see the value in us by representing us, and for them to see themselves in these images. So, so initially, this art was really a direct re- inspired by them, but as a direct response to the misrepresentation of Black people that I had seen and experienced firsthand in our society, and it was meant to reflect the true nobility of Black people.
0: Right. So I tried to do it just as earlier, but could you describe these portraits to our listeners, who your subjects are and uh, how you chose to portray them?
1: Sure. So the portraits I create are of real people. Um, Some of them are people I know. Some of them are people that I look up to or are inspired by um, artists or activists. Um, Some of them are people that I, I... like literally have gone up to on the street and asked if I can illustrate. Um, and I just, I create them with layers of marker on paper. Mm. Um, but I try to elevate the portraits by the way that I position them. So I position them with a lot of white space. And it's kind of as if they're the pupil of the eye. <laughs> that was kind of the intention. And, and I also adorn them with African pattern work, which to me is like a reflection of the African diaspora. Um, I so I started, I started making these just like one by one and became prolific. I just had this collection that was growing and growing and, and these images were becoming part of my daughter's lives. And, and at some point I just thought, well, I should create a digital space for them. And so I, I uh, chose Instagram as a place to keep them as a group so that I could just kind of refer back to them mm-hmm. and, and look at them.
0: So how do people respond when you approach them and how do you explain this concept and project to them?
1: Right. So I would—I it happened a handful of times but I, I would go up to someone who I... I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a just an observer mm. of people in general, so I tend to watch people a lot, just um, try not to do it in a, in a sort of creepy way, but I'm so fascinated by right. behavior and people. And, and so if I saw somebody that really stood out to me or witnessed something that they did or something that I felt like was being some light coming through them, I would just go to them and say, so I'm an illustrator and I'm working on this project, um, about the nobility of black people. And I, I, and I would have this conversation with them. And I mean, many times, well, every time they were willing to have their photograph taken, Mm -hmm. which was... Awesome. So I would photograph them and then I would refer back to that photograph when sketching them. But I found myself having these mm. really great conversations with people and then they would follow that I would see like, you know, a week or two later I'd get see them on my account. And so we really began to I really began to kind of form these relationships, which was just so beautiful. So that's how I approached um asking strangers. <laughs> but mostly the people that I that I was drawing were people that I knew that I had had witnessed their kind of these these gems inside of them that they were showing the world and giving to the world and felt like i need yeah, to yeah. capture that in some small way you know now
0: you've mentioned these these virtues that you you give your subjects Could you uh, expand more on the story behind these virtues and how do you identify them and what's the the story behind them?
1: So the the virtues and the qualities are really rooted in Baha'u'llah's teachings of us being spiritual beings. It's not my original idea. It's it's all uh, from Baha'u'llah's teachings. And so every image that I made, I really began to see the spiritual virtues associated with each of them. Many times I would create something and I wouldn't know what the virtue, I wouldn't really, um, know it from the beginning, but through the process of creating the the piece, I would, it would become clear to me like, oh, this, this person is, exhibits this, this quality, this mm-hmm. virtue. Right. So I was going to the Baha'i writings and really identifying the, that, those virtues and being able to like, or at least... A, trying, attempting to, uh, to, to draw those out from the, the images that I was creating. And then sometimes I would have the quality, know automatically, like, um, uh, for example, my dear friend Maya Mansour, like looking at her, I just knew she was brilliant and light. And I, that was what I wanted to capture in her portrait. Um, so, uh, it's different, you know, with each one is a little bit, the process is a little different, but the, the intention is to really highlight that spirituality that is inside of us.
0: It reminds me of uh, that quote by Abdul Baha where he says, There are no whites and blacks before God. God does not look at colors, he looks at the hearts. Wow,
1: that's so beautiful.
0: Yeah. So yeah, beautiful. It's, it's all of these souls are just radiating these these beautiful attributes and qualities of of the creation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You've also already mentioned, um, you've referred to this quote by Abdu'l-Bahá as Black people being like the pupil of the eye. Um, He says, To the pupil of the eye, which is dark in color, yet the fount of light and the revealer of the contingent world. And for yourself, having not grown up in America... I'd love to learn how this particular quote has changed the way you self-identify and also how it influences your work as a figurative artist of contemporary African-Americans. Yeah. Oh, my
1: gosh. This quote is everything. <laughs> I love I love <laughs> so much that there is something so specific in the writings of our faith written about black people. I mean, it's you know, Abdul Bahá's quote speaks Directly to the about this unique station of black people, and it's really one of the first quotes that I like to share with black people who aren't Baha'is. Like, this is one of the first quotes that I share with them. Um, for me, the particular quote, um, more than anything, really helped me to claim my worth and to really find my identity. Um, like I said, you know, I didn't grow up here, but I was very much connected to my culture. I just didn't realize in the ways that I was until I started mm-hmm. um, making art early on. And, and then of course, later on in, in when I moved here and, and exploring um, exploring how to capture this journey <laughs> um, through art. So yeah, I, I, I think it just really helped me claim my worth. And I, I think that, I think black people have always known our own magic and light, <laughs> the way that we mm-hmm. move and glide through the world in the style and manner that's all our own. Um, doesn't matter if you, you know, uh, don't grow up wherever you grow up, you know, just there's something yeah. that's very like universal about, um, the way that we live in joy, even though there's this daily kind of subtle negations or dismissals. And I just really believe that black people can reveal truth and often see things that others do not. And can Portals. I mean, that's what that quote means to me. And so my aim is for the work that I create to really live up to that standard and to assist even if in some small way to bring black people to the station that the Baha'i writings have set, um, which is far elevated than anything that we see in society, really.
0: Right. So we've we've spoken a lot about the constructive resilience of people of color in America. Uh, what sort of feedback have you been getting for these portraits and how have people been responding oh gosh, to them? Just
1: blows my mind. Um, <laughs> but I think when you're living in your truth, it's just like the doors open, you know, that's kind of, uh, right. uh, so I was creating this digital digital space on Instagram for my work. The, where it would, I guess I suppose it would temporarily live there and I could just sort of refer back to it. Um, and then more people started following the account and I started getting contacted through DM with feedback. Um, and people were sharing with me. Can
0: you describe what DM is? Sure. Oh, sorry. <laughs> direct messenger. <laughs>
1: direct, direct messenger. Sorry. Um, <laughs> right, right. Um, people were sharing with me how these images were, uh, resonating with them. And that was just, I mean, just the best and compliment as an artist and so confirming for me to keep going.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and then I found that people who hadn't heard about the Baha'i for reaching out to me and learning about it. Um, or as a, through the illustrations or by, you know, by asking where do these virtues come from or how do you identify these qualities as you had asked. And so it became mm-hmm. an opportunity for me to really share Baha'u'llah's message. So it really became um,
0: a teaching tool for you.
1: Yeah. So, um, it's been, it's been such a, <laughs> I, I'm still like, I can't really <laughs> believe it. You know, I'm like, wow, this is, it's been really, yeah. really um, humbling for me to, to, to get feedback from people and, and to know. I'm that sure. That and I'm five, sure it's
0: also very encouraging. You want to keep going? It is, it's,
1: it's, it is very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Juliet, speaking from my own experience and reflecting back to the first time when I came across your work as an Australian who moved to North America about eight years ago, I really had to take on this humble posture of learning when it came to understanding the reality and the narrative of the African-American experience And when I came across your work, I was so humbled and moved by the way that you portrayed uh, our brothers and sisters with such dignity and optimism. And I found this to be such a true reflection of the teaching of Baha'u'llah, of the oneness of mankind and the nature of the soul. And so I was really excited to interview you and I was so grateful when you accepted this interview and and for your time today. And I really want to encourage you to continue to create these, these beautiful portraits.
1: Thank you. That's, that's, thank you so much. That's so, um, so encouraging and so kind. I mean, I, you know, I feel like I had set, kind of set out to, to do this um, for my kids and and it just grew from there. Um, you know, my girls are like budding artists in their own right. <laughs> they're, they're very creative and already use their own art to kind of work through their emotions and express themselves. And that's just such mm. a gift for me to witness. Um, but when I started the project a couple of years ago now, um, I remember they would sit and, and like often they would sit with me and, and watch me and then they would want to draw too. So we began creating our portraits together. They drew, they would draw their own people. And, and, um, mm. and now we always sit and work together as peers, which I love and I don't try to teach them or anything. I mean, I don't, I can't teach them anything about this. They're teaching me more even um, through the, about their art. And, um, and so I share with them my work, they share with me theirs and, I get to listen to their stories as they create, and it's so cool to be engaged in this process of creating together. It's really one of the most rewarding things for me. And then I also see, I already see the influence that this small act of representation has had on them, Um, Mm -hmm. and that's really beautiful to see. Like, for example, just something so simple, but like if like they're immediately go for like brown and dark colors when they're drawing skin. And they really like kind of default to that. And they see the beauty in that. And, and that's just been so uh, confirming and and for me as a, as a parent to see that.
0: Of course. Of course. You mentioned you've, you've been learning from your daughters. Yes. What other, <laughs> what other things have you learned?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, you know, children have a really I think as parents, we have all this desires to kind of teach them things, which of course is our responsibility. And then we end up really realizing the things that, that we have to develop because they are such mm-hmm. a, um, they really absorb the things that we show them. You know, we can tell them lots of things, but they see through our actions, and our example, um, uh, like I did with my parents, you know, the, the environment that they created, it really informed how I Saw the world, and so, um, so yeah. I mean, they teach me a lot about myself, <laughs> and then they show mm-hmm. to me. Um, I get to see the beauty uh, as they see it, you know, through their eyes by the things that they create, um, the the things that they say, the things that they do, and so it's it's such a it's such an incredible um, ride, an incredible journey for me as a as a parent, as a as a just. a a spiritual being to be able to, you know, they help me grow in so many ways. Mm,
0: You're like an educator and a student. (laughs) Yeah.
1: They, they're my teachers for sure.
0: (laughs) Now, Juliet, we've sadly come to the end of another episode of cloud nine. And I know this project would not exist without your two little girls. So before we close, could you share perhaps what hopes and dreams you have for them? Sure. Oh
1: my gosh. You know, my hopes and dreams for my girls is that they they have a profound love for Baha'u'llah already and appreciation for this beautiful faith. And so my hope is that that, that will grow and grow and be transmitted into teaching and service. You know, I really, and, mm-hmm. I, and I really want them to know their inherent worth and truth and to continue to see the beauty around them as they do. And, and then reflect that back into the world in their own ways. Um, and so I, I hope I'm always creating an environment that fosters that, um, and then there's this quote by, by J. Warren Welch that I've always loved. Um, he says, um, your children are not a masterpiece that you create. They are their own masterpiece, creating themselves. And you have been given the privilege of watching them be the artist. <laughs> mm. So while I, I birthed these magical beings, they, <laughs> they are universes unto themselves. And I'm just really blessed to travel with them on their soul's journey.
0: thank you for sharing thank Thank you so much for your time and really all the best with your future projects and endeavors and we look forward to catching up again and following along this journey of yours oh
1: my gosh thank you so much shadi so much love to you
0: love to you too thank you (laughs) thanks so much for listening to cloud nine i hope you enjoyed this episode Feel free to check out Bahaiteachings.org where you can find more Baha'i-inspired podcasts, videos, and articles.